Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Today on the Ether, Lil Gaines hosts another episode of Cosmic Community with special guest Kevin Garrison. Let's take a listen. Awesome, dude. Dude, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> dude, episode seven. This is the episode seven of Cosmic Community Twitter Spaces. So, man, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I, dude, dude, you've been across. All continents and 50, 53 countries. Like, how do we? How do we not know this? Like, how am I just finding out? I mean, just barely finding this out. Uh, just, you have a, you have a, you have a lot to tell us today, dude. Well, thank you, man. I I appreciate that. It's uh, you know, it. I just got off a plane actually, and I was like, oh, it's six thirty. We got it early. Um, so I'm glad I. I was able to get on this and, and do this with y'all. And uh, thank you very much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, you've got to tell me a little bit about the, the history of this. Like I, I got, I, I saw a nomination and it was from Robo. And I was like, what am I, what am I being nominated for? <laughs> what am I getting myself right. into? Uh, and then I found right, out that right. this is a thing. Yes. Yes. So this was started because we we what we just wanted to shine more light on those community members in the ecosystem and really find out in depth like where are they coming from why are they here you know what is their story so you're on episode 7 here um the first one i did was with legendarius and then legendarius nominated um ah, shoot oh my god it's just been a little while victoria right mm. so everybody once they're done with the space they nominate somebody else okay and um I'm trying to I'm trying to get away from like nominating people that are like way way up there. I want to focus on us, you know, people here in the community um, that are not like super big, you know. So just just to get to know us, know us better. Um, so I'm going to be asking you after this space, who do you nominate next? Okay, good. I, I love it. I'll see who I see who I want to throw under the bus at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've had we've had a few people that got nominated before, and we're just like. I'm not really comfortable speaking, you know, in public and, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. We, we can, you know, don't worry about it. When you feel more comfortable, maybe we'll bring you back on. Uh, but the point is to, you know, try, try to get um, people that are just those little guys out there that are tr trying to grow this ecosystem in every little way possible and just learn about them. So, well, yeah, I think that's awesome, man. I'm so glad you guys are doing that. And uh, again, thank you for having me. My pleasure, dude. My pleasure. So yeah, bro. Like, let's just get into it. Um, first off, thanks again for for joining the space. I know you've been really busy. Just yeah, just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in the background. Yeah, it's uh, I, I have been, and I, I apologize for uh, you know this taking so long. I, I've been on a a really crazy film shoot. Um, so I, I guess maybe that's I, I don't know 
I feel like everyone knows it, but then I realize a lot of people don't know. Um, but I, I come from a background as a, a filmmaker. Um, so, you know, my, my other life consists of shooting like movies and commercials. And um, I kind of always grew up around films living in LA and uh, was a child actor. <laughs> so I grew up on sets a lot and uh, eventually switched over to the other side of things and uh, started out as a photographer. And then uh, that sort of evolved into cinematography, which is basically photography, but for films. And the last 10 years of my life or so, I've been shooting movies and commercials around the world and traveling to crazy places. And uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm actually in a truck with uh, 23 cases of camera gear driving through New York. Uh, and yeah, that that's sort of what wow. I do on the other end of things. Um, when we're not, you know, running nodes and working on uh, stuff with all the different chains that we validate. And uh, yeah, it's a busy, it's been a busy, busy few months. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kevin. And on top of that, you're like a true Cosmos warrior. You're actively participating in governance. You're answering, answering people's questions left and right on Twitter. Um, you're part of the Juno developer DAO, if I'm not mistaken. I'm part. Or did I get that wrong? I'm part of the Terra dev fund. Hack, there you hack Juno Dow and then Juno Core 2. Oh my gosh. On top of all that, you're doing this, dude. This nuts. This is nuts. Yeah. But so you said that um as a child that you got into acting. Who like who who did you um who did you look up to as a as a child uh and who like kind of like pushed you to do that? You know, it's it's funny, like as a kid, I was just I, I had some other friends that were actors. Um and I was like, oh, like you can't get a job when you're a kid, but you're allowed to do acting as a job. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm I'm only like 12, but like I'm allowed to make money. That's awesome. And so for me, it was just like an, a way to get a job. <laughs> and I was homeschooled as, as many kids are and uh, I had time to do that. So you know, my mom would drive me to auditions and uh you know, this was at the time when like Shia LaBeouf was really blowing up and was doing even Steven stuff. So we'd always go out for parts and, uh, you know, end up at the same casting calls. And, uh, you know, I thought he was really cool. And, and he, he ended up getting holes as a movie. Um, and it came down to like me, him and one other kid for that part. And I was like, ah, it'd be so cool to get a part like that. And uh, then I ended up shooting some kind of more like narrative stuff, like movie stuff as a kid. And I realized that there was like somebody who films it and I, they were called a cinematographer. And so I'd hang out with the cinematographers and like ask them questions about how cameras work and all that. So I found that interest pretty early on that maybe more so even than the acting. Um, Cause I think as a young kid, it was very much like uh, makeup artists and there's people messing with your hair. And it was like very unpleasant. <laughs> um, but I thought all the technical stuff was really cool. Wow, man. Were your parents into acting too? I mean, not is that where this kind of came from as well or no, not at all. My, my dad ran, uh, a huge marketing firm, um, and was very much like a businessman. And my mother is a stay at home mom and a teacher. 
um, cause she had run a school previously and was the principal of a pretty big school in LA. So, you know, if, if anything, it was, they just wanted me to have a really good education and, you know, they felt that being able to kind of work and do things and have the freedom to, uh, experience that was something that was important to me. So they very much enabled it. Um, but they, they weren't really involved in the arts as much. But they supported you fully in what you were doing, right? Absolutely. You got the full support from your parents. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. I'm very, very fortunate to have a cool family. That's awesome. Yeah. And as a little as a little kid, did you feel like famous uh, because you were doing these kind of like acting gigs? Did you feel famous? Were people like in school like, wow, Kevin, <laughs> like, I'm famous. Can, can, can I get your autograph? Oddly enough, the only time that I felt that way was after... Um, filming like an olive garden commercial where I was throwing a, a football back and forth with my fake dad. And that was, it. it was like five seconds, but it was the, it was the only thing that I ever like really other people saw me on TV and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Um, so that was sort of the moment that as a child peaked for me, even though there were all these other things that were probably like way cooler. That was the one that I was like, I know olive garden. Like that seemed really real. So I was like, that's when I made it. Gosh, shooting commercials as a kid already, man, for Olive Garden. That's insane, dude. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. I wish. I wish I was on the screen, dude. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it, there's, and it's interesting. I found like in Cosmos, there's a, there's actually a lot of filmmakers and artists in Cosmos, way more than I thought. Um, you know, I know everyone on our sets at this point is invested in <laughs> various chains in the Cosmos. Uh, our our DIT and, and uh, second shooter next to me just laughed. He's got his wallet open right now, driving through New York. Check yeah, he's like, got to check on the prices. But, uh, you know, I've definitely been like evangelizing Cosmos on every set that we work on. And I, I want to see more and more artists getting into it. Like, I, I always thought it was really cool seeing the guys that make amazing video content, and, like cool 3D renderings and actually integrate artistry into the cosmos like i think that's something that's really under represented and and ends up being a big driver of traffic and you know i remember even that commercial that came out I remember there was that commercial with the uh board apes that everyone was like oh this is super cringe and it's so bad and all that and i remember watching that i was like it's kind of cringe because the content and some of the stuff wasn't like on point but like the actual quality was incredible Yes. And I was like, if you yes. could just put inject good taste into that and market things well, I feel like that's something that the cosmos really needs in order to grow really well. And if I if there's like one secret mission that I I have, it's just I want to see more of that. I think you're the right person too. I think you're the right person to get it done because um I've been I've been lurking. I've been lurking on your Instagram lurking on um your website and i'm like man the quality the quality that you guys have there is amazing it's super clean um and you pay attention to details so if we could bring that to cosmos and you you know you got time if you got time to do that <laughs> wow we would see we would see some amazing stuff here we we're definitely working on some stuff like it's it's definitely an area that i think as a group like oni has a lot of artists uh on staff and um Richard, who's the other co-founder, we we met on a film traveling around the world. The one that was it's called Nomad. That's got was shot on like twenty five different countries, all seven continents. We met doing that movie, 
And he was the one that actually introduced me to Cosmos. And so when we started validating, um, that was one of our things is we just wanted to be able to bring art into the space and use a lot of that structure to sort of begin to integrate art and things into different chains. And I think Osmosis is kind of starting to do that now, which is really cool. I want to see Juno doing more of it. I want to see Evmos doing more of it. Um, you know, because I think that that's sort of where chains find their branding. It's where they find their look and people begin to recognize them um, instead of just having like random NFT projects that sort of represent the chain. No, there's cool ones. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there's there's value in that. But I also want to see like, you know, some cool branding and art brought into the actual chains themselves. So, hoping that we can do more of that. And uh, you know, maybe that's through NFTs. Maybe that's through uh, branding with various chains or shooting commercials or who knows what. But uh, I think that's that's probably something to we're going to start doing more of and focusing more of on. The, in this fourth quarter of the year. No, yeah, I, I definitely see how that would help. Um, having that, um, having that branding out there really helps attract new, new people. You know, when they see quality, when they see good quality, they're like, wow, look, you know, I'm, let me take a look at this uh, protocol. They, they have some amazing works. If they're putting enough energy on this quality of like marketing and like branding where it's not like, not, not where it's like pushy, like, Hey, come over here and, and buy this token, but you know, just quality stuff you know, might, might help the ecosystem grow a little bit more. Totally. And you know what's, you know what I'm surprised, uh, Kevin, I'm surprised that you haven't already launched like your own NFT collection or something like that, you know, <laughs> being in the space that you're in. Yeah. I'm so surprised. Yeah. You know, uh, we get a lot of comments on that. Like we get a lot of people going like, when only NFT? And um, I think the main reason that we haven't is just because doing it early out of the gate, I felt like for one thing would, be a bit of a distraction um just from some of the more like key things that we wanted to address which are like more structural and like organization things um so i don't know i I guess it kind of just felt weird to be like oh yeah we're doing all this work on funding and spinning up the validator and governance and also here's this nft project and go mint out a bunch of stuff and i I couldn't think of a reason other than just like having good art, which I guess is a cool reason. Um, and, and we definitely, you know, don't want to discount that. Cause I think sometimes it's also okay to just have cool artists making great stuff and paying them for that. Like that's a really valid thing. Um, and I actually wish I saw more of that. Uh, but in our particular case, it was a bit of a like, okay, let, let's really think through if, if we were to do something like that, what would actually be like the net benefit to everybody? So we have some ideas on that. We've been working on some stuff with some really talented devs and some other validators that I think everyone knows. Um, And it's just going to take a little bit of time to do it properly. Um, And of course, to make the artwork really, really badass. Because when we launch it, uh, you know, I want it to be something that's very special and cool and that everybody will like and benefit from. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You want to make sure that it's quality, you know, not not quantity, just quality. Which I've seen um I've seen more and more projects um, focus on the quality of their um I'm talking about NFTs here, more of more of their art, right? Quality and um not not quantity. So that that's pretty important to make sure that uh you put in a lot of time to that. 
Exactly. And, and you don't want to just do like a random AI art collection. And some of the stuff's really cool. Like we definitely, you know, have done some cool AI stuff and Richard in particular is pretty plugged in on uh, the AI front and has done a lot of like data work with open AI and, and some others to uh, on the art front. But I also feel like, you know, we also have such great artists like we've got Rio who does a lot of the original artwork and we have some other artists that we work with on some stuff that hasn't been released yet. Um, and so it, it feels like it should have a, a human touch on everything. And I feel like that's something that's been missing. So, you know, I think we even flirted with the idea of like, Oh, if we, what if we did a total like AI collection that was inspired by some stuff and it just didn't feel as genuine as, as we would have liked. So we, we kind of tossed that away. Now let's let's go back and talk a little bit about your uh, your film, uh, not your film, but the film that you helped with uh, Nomad. Yeah. Um, what what was that whole film about anyway? Because I I know I, I know I've seen it before, like pop up. I believe it, believe it was on. Um, if it wasn't on, if it wasn't on Netflix, it might have might have been on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So there, well, the one you're talking about is probably Nomadland, which I wish I'd shot because it it won an Oscar. Um, and Nomad is isn't released yet. It's I think it's going to be releasing around oh. Christmas time of this year. Um, and I don't know where it's going to release. It it might be Netflix. It might be Apple. Um, it could even be Amazon. But I, I I think you know I mean it would be really cool if it was Apple. Um, they released it. So, but yeah, it's I mean it's an amazing movie. I've been working on it for about three and a half years as a cinematographer it's a really small crew of people it's about 10 people including the actors traveling around the world and it's there's no cgi in the film so it's essentially a story which centers around this guy who has a condition where every day he wakes up in a different place on earth and he has to survive wherever he ends up and because early on we decided to shoot without any CGI, that necessitated actually going to these places and filming them for real. So all of the stunts that are in the movie, all of the people that are in the movie, other than the two main actors, everything is totally real. And we filmed in like India, we filmed in Botswana, Namibia, we filmed in Antarctica, we filmed in a couple of places in the US, we filmed in China. So it's been uh, all over the place. And we filmed in, in Chile. Like the first shot of the movie, we filmed during the total solar eclipse in Chile, in the Atacama Desert. And we filmed the first large format eclipse that's ever been in a movie. And we did it for real. It was this like crazy thing. We had a, wow. a scientist on board that was helping us to calculate where the sun would be at the exact time of the full eclipse. And then we put our actors into the scene and they were silhouetted against the eclipse at the moment that it happened. And we shot it on this insane lens that they use for uh, wildlife uh, photography. That's like, looks like a telescope. And it was really cool. Like it was, it made the news. It was on uh, the discovery channel. And it was, it was the craziest thing that I've ever done where I was like, wow, there's like news coverage of, us actually filming this and they're like picking it up and it's you know 
all the media is going wild with it. So it was really cool. It was a cool experience. And that was like day one of shooting this movie out of, you know, many hundreds of days. <laughs> My gosh, Kevin, I don't know how you do that. So you were saying that every, so basically in the movie, it's a person that wakes up in a different place in the world every time. So you're constantly having to travel to different places in the world for this movie. That's a lot of traveling, man. Yeah, we, we racked up a lot of miles on it. We did, uh, I think, by the end of it, we had calculated that we like flew around the world like four or five times. And uh, it, was, it was very interesting. It was, you know, flying with like 30 cases of gear and um, to like really weird small airports in the middle of Africa. And like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you'd have to like charter and dingy little plane and you know fly out into the desert and we just be like i hope we're gonna make it out of this alive <laughs> oh my god has there been any has there been any like um situations where it's like been oh my god dude we're not gonna make it like this boat is gonna sink if we cross that river or has dude, there been any like yeah close so encounters like that? many so many of them I, i'll say probably the weirdest one was when we were filming in Botswana in the middle of the desert and we were like 600 miles from any town and uh it was on this like kind of private reserve where there was a bunch of uh there was just a bunch of lions that had been rescued and it was very scary because at night you'd just be like oh wow there's a ton of really gnarly lion sounds outside my door and they were just like, well, you don't really have to worry about the lions. You have to worry about the rhinos. And uh, we're like, oh, cool. There's rhinos also. And we were filming and we'd set up like a makeshift tent that was like flapping in the wind. And we were with some bushmen. And then suddenly they like started freaking out. They're like, everybody's like, stay totally still. And we looked off and like 100 feet away, there were three rhinos, two females and a male. And they were like attracted to that tent flapping in the wind and so they like started coming in and like kicking up dust and like it was like the size of a truck and uh <laughs> it was it was Jeez. pretty sketchy and so we like all just didn't move for about 45 minutes and eventually they walked around it and and went off but that was like the diciest scenario that i had ever experienced on any set and uh, I think that was a moment where we were like, cool, let's uh, go back, grab a beer and relax a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I heard an interesting fact about rhinos uh, recently that um, they have some very good, very, very good sense of smell and um, hearing. And um, but their vision is horrible. Their vision yes. is, is completely crap. Absolutely. So, and I, I can verify that they can't see for shit. So uh, and thank God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they're huge. Yeah, they're freaking huge. They're enormous, enormous beasts. Yeah, I would probably have, I probably would have probably shit my pants, dude, if I came in, in close contact with a rhino, just just because they're massive. You probably feel the the floor shake as soon as they start takes like you know running towards you. Oh yeah, they're they're unbelievably big and they're fast. They're like really fast. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you at right now? You said you said in, you're in New York. Yeah, I'm sorry. Does it sound super bad? I'm I'm trying to find like a quiet spot on a random street. No, 
No, I'm good. I'm good. It just feels like I'm in like a little movie with you with like the <laughs> sirens going in the background and stuff and honking. Yeah, so I'm so sorry. I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm going to have some great audio. And the timing totally got messed up with the flights. But um, yeah, it's this is very real. This is a very real, uh, real moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem, man. No problem. So yeah, I was uh, yeah, I was just just more curious about like your your journey into crypto, right? Mm-hmm. You said that your friend that was um in the film industry with you was the one that introduced you to it. So what was it that he introduced? Was it a particular coin? Was it the technology? Yeah, How did that go. Yeah, so I mean, early on, I was pretty interested. Um, here, I'm going into a quieter corner. I actually don't know if this is any quieter. This is probably where it works because there's a bunch of audio. I'm so sorry. Give me two seconds, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what it is. If you guys have been wondering, like... I'm crazy. like running through New York in shorts. Uh, oh my gosh i can already imagine it <laughs> thanks, thanks kevin i appreciate it dude <laughs> um yeah yeah it's all it's all good bro yeah so i guess the, the way that i got into it was i'd already i'd been in crypto um like early days so like 2013 i was pretty heavily into bitcoin um right at the beginning like just after the bitcoin forum days and um i was like mining bitcoin with some of my nerdy friends and i actually just found the old emails which is really funny uh because it turns out that the guy that i was doing that with we hadn't talked in a couple of years and he now works for the graph as an indexer he's like yeah i'm still in crypto and i was like me too we should talk (laughs) and uh but back in the day we were mining bitcoin uh like on gpus and I found these emails where I was like, yeah, you know, we made like a couple of hundred bucks this week. So we have a few Bitcoin. Like, I don't know if it's like this computer is going to pay itself off or not. And I was like, oh, God, if only we knew at that time, <laughs> you know. And even then, like we were losing money on crypto. Like I, rem- I found all the old transactions where it was like I bought 100 Bitcoin for $14 and then sold it for seven. And I was like, oh, oh no, God. you know, and I was like, I wish I had never looked. Um, but yeah, so it was very early on uh, mining Bitcoin. And then around 2016, 2017, we got back into Bitcoin mining, uh, but on a much larger scale in Florida um, with some friends. We had a bunch of ASIC units that were like a larger mining operation um, just before that crash. And then it was like, oh, I was like, what is it with this timing? And then uh, same thing with Ethereum, mining a ton of Ethereum. And that was going pretty well, doing GPU mining. Um, you know, but it was always like, crypto was one of those things where I was like, I kind of get it. It feels very like basic, but it, it just didn't feel like it was quite there in terms of like having any kind of utility. And it was also very slow. Um, so after that movie finished, Richard was like, Hey, look, I've been looking at this thing. It's called Cosmos. There's this thing called Adam and like, just download this Chrome extension. And I was like, that's weird. Um, and it's called Kepler. And he's like, look, I'm just going to scan this QR code and I'm going to send you an Adam. And in like 
10 seconds, it'll be in your wallet. And I was like, oh, and then it worked. And it was just in my wallet. And I was like, well, that's a game changer. That's so fast. And I didn't know anything other than the speed. So I was like, well, that's better than mm-hmm. anything I've used. And I've been getting railed on Ethereum gas fees. So I'm going to just do that. And I, so I put a bunch of money into Adam. And then I found out that it was like, there are all these other chains based off of it. And they all have APRs. And so I was like building spreadsheets and I was like, these are my chihuahua staking rewards. And like, you know, and if I pull this on osmosis, it's going to be crazy. I was like moving things around. I like had, I thought I had like this brilliant system worked out. Um, but it was, you know, still a very rudimentary view of, of the network. And I kind of just, I think like many became pretty obsessive about figuring out how it actually worked. So I would talk to validators because I didn't really understand why I wouldn't stake with like the number one person. And people like keep going down the list. I was like, but I don't get why. And they're like, well, just talk to people. So I talked to like Mercury and I talked to Golden Ratio and I talked to Joe Abbey and I talked to all these guys and just try to like ask questions about how these chains actually worked. And then spent a few months learning about validating and DevOps and all of the stuff behind that. And it sort of spirals out of control pretty quickly. So that was, that was my foray into things. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to leave um, cryptocurrency once you, once you get into it, it's just so hard because it kind of like pulls you in into many different directions and you start finding out different types of utility, different community um, uh, members, and you, you build relationships. So it's it's so hard to leave cryptocurrency. But how was it like coming from mining to coming to a proof of stake, you know, network? Was it a big transition? Were you still were you still mining Ethereum uh, when you when you got into um, Cosmos? Yeah, I, I was actually. I was still mining quite regularly and. You know, this is when GPU mining was profitable. Um, so, it, you know, and, and the other thing is it was like just crazy amounts of energy expense. And I didn't love that. Like, I, I, I also was very conscious of like, eh, it's just probably like not a net benefit for the planet. Like, it's not the worst thing, uh, but it's not like sustainable if the entire planet is going to like adopt this. Like, it's a problem. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think for about three months, I was still pretty heavily involved in, in ETH mining, but it, it sort of just was, you know, it, it wasn't something that I felt particularly excited about either. Cause it was just like, you set it up and it goes. And then from there, you're just mostly looking at hardware concerns and then how you want to pool your mining resources and things like that. But the governance stuff is what got me really interested in like taking on a more active role in cosmos i thought it was really interesting and i thought it was pretty wild that like governance actually made changes and that like it was listened to and respected and that like anyone in the community could make changes if they thought that it was important and so i thought that was really cool like there was no well, there's a little bit of a gate because there's some technical aspects of like submitting a proposal but the barriers are really low and certainly much lower than anywhere else so I thought that was awesome, and I wanted to do more of that. I just thought it's really cool, um, and it's tough, but it's you know it's the one network. You know, Cosmos is the whole, or like the networks where I go, you can actually do something. Like if you feel like 
the chain is not going in the direction that you want, you can do something about it and, and actually affect change. And talk to people, they'll listen to you, even if they're like founders of that chain. And I thought that was really cool. Like I wanted to do more of that and be part of that and help out. And it seems like a very uh, new concept in, in crypto. Like a lot of times it feels like foundations control just about everything. And if not the foundations, then there's a core team, which is really just the foundation. And this was something that was different. And mm-hmm. it's one of the things that attracted me to Juno, like most heavily was, I was like, I can't even really point to like, any particular foundation or core team that's running everything. It seemed like even they had to like get things approved and do stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. Uh, so that's sort of what got me more involved in, in actually participating in, in Cosmos. And um, that's sort of what led to like the Terra developer fund and all of that. Now, do you, do you have a strategy to keep uh, yourself updated with uh, certain proposals or, um, how, how do you manage? Uh, how do you manage all the all the governance proposals that are, you know, that come up? Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot, and, and we validate like ten chains, so it does get kind of crazy. Um, but I see Reese is in the chat, and he uh, has developed a wonderful alerting tool for Discord that we use. So um, I always get notifications when there's Commonwealth proposals that go up. Um, which is harder to keep up with than like on-chain proposals. And then we definitely get alerted whenever there's an on-chain proposal. So um, I have Calpatech that goes to our Telegram. And then I've got uh, Reese's stuff, which goes to our Discord because Reese is a genius. And uh, we just stay on top of it. Like every time there's a prop that comes through, it's kind of like if we can't figure out what's going on on this, like that's the job, right? Like, you run hardware really well and that's important and you have to have a really good security and that's important um, and high uptime. But once you have all of those things and you have your systems in place for that, it's really kind of a management thing. And my view is that the role is to be really, really involved in governance because at the end of the day, that's what a lot of people are delegating for is they trust you to vote well. And so that's the job. Like I treat it like anything else. You have to stay on top of that. So um it's pretty rare that we've ever missed a proposal um and it takes work and it takes figuring things out we don't always get it totally right the first time but if you do get it wrong people tell you pretty quickly and you know it's the nice thing about being able to change votes and uh you know proposal times and discussion periods and all that but it is a lot It, it it scales up quickly and also every vote matters a lot more because you represent a much bigger part of the vote power. So, you know, when you're just delegating, you're voting to express your views, but you have usually a much smaller say in things. As a validator, it's like, no, it actually matters a lot what you're saying. Like, if you represent 1% of the vote power of the network, like, you better get it right. So, you just got to take it seriously and stay on top of it and do your best. And, be willing to be wrong and listen to people if you don't vote correctly and kind of grow from that and establish policies around that. So that's, that's our, our general strategy on it. Hopefully that answers the question. It does. Yeah. Thanks Kevin. And I think that uh, once the, the average Joe can like make a proposal without having to have like developer skills, 
I think we're going to get even more busier with keeping updated on on, on certain proposals. <laughs> Absolutely. It, and that is something that needs to change. Like there is still a barrier for the everyday person to be able to submit a proposal. And you have to know command line and you have to be able to, you know, know how to work that to submit a proposal. And you need to know markdown text and things like that. So. That's actually something that we're working on right now with uh, a couple of very talented folks, uh, some of which were also in here. Um, but we were working on a uh, an app which will simplify that for the everyday user and make it possible to bring governance on chain and do so in a way that avoids spam and, and bad proposals and helps people to crowdfund their proposals so that we can... You know, I, there are people who have really amazing ideas that are not validators and who are not core team members. And because of this technical barrier, they can't submit it. And I think that's stupid. I think that's like a major outness that exists within the cosmos that's preventing good governance. So once we fix that, yeah, we're going to see a lot more, but we're also going to see a lot more really good ideas. Amen. And um, when, uh, when you're like busy uh, filming and traveling across the globe, um, who's actually helping you, um, you know, keep Ani afloat? You know, I'm sure you got a team, right? Yeah, we do have a team. Um, right now we have four full time. Um, so Richard is one of, one of the main ones on, on the technical side. Um, he is also traveling at the moment, getting his passport renewed for, uh, well, getting his passport replaced. Uh, in Miami to go to Cosmoverse. So uh, he's traveling. We we both are on the road quite a bit, but we have Lorena who handles a lot of like internal strategies. And, and we've got, of course, Rio who does a lot of the art and uh, some sort of kind of high level, you know, internal directions on apps and things like that. Uh, we are bringing on uh, a new DevOps guy to help out with some of the expansion and testnet, relaying. So, it's expanding quickly, which is great. But at the same time, I've also definitely like locked myself in a bathroom on set with a laptop and, you know, troubleshot <laughs> some missed blocks or uh, a software upgrade. And, you know, it, you just sort of plan around it. And fortunately, I work with pretty amazing film crew and production companies that also know what I do with Oni and, and are very accommodating of that. So, I've you know I've been like hey I got to step off set for a moment and like get a vote out before this proposal you know finishes and and they understand it which is really cool and kind of unique. That's good that they understand that you know you also have uh, another big responsibility because like you said you validate for over ten chains. It's a massive yes. responsibility, man. Massive. Yeah, absolutely, and and it can't be discounted. It's you know it's important and it's greater than just one person and. So, you know, I think if you're going to be validating, you have to be willing to take on that responsibility and recognize that, you know, other people's assets are entrusted to you and treat it as such. And when, um, when you're traveling, right, when you're traveling across the globe, uh, have you, have you noticed a, uh, a shift, um, a shift that people are using more cryptocurrency in any particular, like, uh, country or has it been the same since you started traveling a lot well i've definitely seen a shift um 
mostly in very recent times. Um, and the interesting thing is that it's, it usually starts in areas that have really severe monetary issues in their countries. So, um, like Venezuela was one that I noticed essentially switched over to Bitcoin um, and has used Bitcoin as kind of a primary means for value exchange in their country, um, whether official or not. Um, so that's kind of born out of necessity. There's quite a bit of crypto usage in Africa, um, interestingly. Um, and then seems like all over South America, it's booming in a big way. So I've noticed a lot more activity in Brazil, which is really cool. So I, I think that's definitely booming. Like I feel like South America is kind of a, a dark horse in the crypto race. And, and be honest with me, Kevin, how many, how many times have you shilled uh, <laughs> Cosmos to people that you've, uh, you've met while traveling? <laughs> way, way more times than I care to admit. And, uh, I, you know, every single person that is on the crew is in Cosmos now, which is great. There was like a period of time where we just had like crypto nights at the hotel after a shoot day. And it was like, okay, we're going to go through everything. I'm going to show you how to like LP something on Osmosis. Um, I'm going to show you how to stake Juno. And, and so everyone's in it, which is fun. Um, although I probably should have promoted that, uh, you know, a few months later. It was in like February. But uh, in any case, they're all still still very much in. But yeah, it's I, I try not to do it too much on set with like talent that we're filming with. But, you know. A man can only be so strong. You've got to, like, chill when the moment is right. <laughs> well, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to one day just popping, popping myself on my computer and seeing a nice, like, commercial, right? Nice, like, you know, skit for, for Cosmos or other chains because I, I know you got the skills and the team to do it. I, I would love to do that. I, I feel like that would just be so much fun. And I want to see, like just really, really cool multimedia. And I also want to see like really cool NFT projects that are filmed. Like I know Jorge's in here. Like I want to see amazing video projects on Stargaze too. And like, I want to see incredible NFT projects that utilize like really well shot stuff. Like I would want to do that. Like I've, I've even worked on like putting together kind of batches of video that I think would just be really cool kind of standalone pieces and, but it'd be awesome to like purpose build stuff for chains that are like, whether it's an NFT or utilizing some other kind of way. I mean, I don't know, but being able to incorporate video has been very difficult on chain often because it's so high bit rate and there's a lot of data. Oh yeah. This man is very angry behind me. <laughs> um, but I think that would be really cool. <laughs> it's all good it's all good we we know you're you're traveling right now no worries dude no worries yo i wish that you could hear <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you encounter so many of those things though while you're out there while you're out there filming and traveling so many crazy things yeah that was, that's great he's just going off he's like i told her she's ugly and if she was said about that she shouldn't be ugly and i'm like man i am in new york so much right now this is great 
Do you? Oh, so one th- one thing too that I wanted to ask is, you speak other languages, right? Uh, Spanish. Sí, yo hablo un poquito de español. Poquito español. When when did you learn how to speak Spanish? Uh, in Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Bonito. Qué bonito. And I lived in Mexico for a short period of time in Quintana Roo. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I love Spanish. I it's my Spanish isn't great, um, as everyone will experience in Colombia. But you know, I I maybe that's why I'm biased in that I feel like there's a lot of Latin communities that are growing in crypto is because it's also the one that I can kind of understand the most or at least read well. So, but I, I just see a huge passion around it. And like, I get it. I get the Columbia thing. And I think I was also very critical of it when we announced that Cosmoverse was happening there. I was like, Columbia, like what the fuck? Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, it does make sense. Like it's an area that's really growing and you know, it's, fairly easy to get to if you're going to travel a great distance like it's certainly no more difficult than portugal um so i think it's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be a really good time spanish is the one that i speak best of anything else i'm kind of like it's just from filming in places where it's like a bit of a town or you know horrible german (laughs) (laughs) so your home is los angeles right but uh, yes. if you were to pick any place in the world to just make it your, your final resting home, where, where would you pick and why? God, that's so hard. I, I would probably choose, if I had to choose a final place to just like live, I mean, Iceland is kind of amazing. Like, I really, really love Iceland. Awesome. You would move to Iceland, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would probably be pretty old and like crotchety and just want to like see really pretty things. So I, I would probably be like, yeah, I want to live next to this volcano in Iceland until it explodes. <laughs> or in the short term, I'm a big fan of Brazil. Like, I really love Brazil. I love the food. I love the culture. And it's just super beautiful. So I could definitely see myself living there, like in Rio. Nice. What about nice. what about you? What about you? I haven't been I haven't been traveling as much as I'd like to to like you know find out where I would you know make it my final final home. But I for sure somewhere really nice and warm because I don't like the cold in Michigan. I, I'm from Michigan. It's super cold over here in the winters, and our summers are short. There's like three months of nice warm weather, and then it's just poopy, really crappy weather. But Definitely somewhere nice and warm, maybe like 75 to 80 degrees year round, if that's even a thing anywhere in the world. Um, somewhere where I can easily go to, you know, the beach, uh, walk to the store, um, not have to travel by, by car too much. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere like that. So L.A. or Florida is where you end up? Uh, no, no, <laughs> L.A. is too expensive, bro. Too exp- I've been to L.A. And the first thing I said to myself is, I will never, I will never live in LA, bro. It's just too busy for me, too much traffic, too much going on. To, you know, if you want to go to like a, you want to go to the store or something, it takes you probably less time walking there than it does by car because just the, tra- the traffic there's uh, just insane, bro. Yeah, that's the part that's brutal. That's I, I've been spending a lot of time in Florida because I have family there, so I get it. Like. There is something nice about not having the 
craziness of a big city. Um, but I also, I mean, I love LA. It's where I was born, and it's obviously where a lot of film is. So I don't think I'll ever like fully leave LA. It's just too beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, beautiful. it is. It's hella that. expensive, though. <laughs> it's hella, it, hella, and that—that's one word that that I learned in uh, in California when I went to California my first time. Everybody started using hella. I'm like, okay, that's that's how people uh, talk over here. Hella, hella cool, hella it's chill. Just the way it is. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, I can't get it out of my my vernacular. Man. It's stuck in there deep. <laughs> I won't. I won't uh, take more too much time um, off your hands because I know you're you're super busy, bro. But one last thing, and I hope it's not like too personal. Um, you got a family. You got a you got wife, kids. You know, a partner. Dude, no, totally. It's fine. It's an open book. I mean, people can find me on Instagram and shit. Like, it's not too complicated. I'm I'm pretty docked. Um, but yeah, no, no, uh, no significant other, but I, I have a beautiful family, like my folks, I, I got a sister and, and her husband and they've got some kids and like, that is the best thing ever. Like I'm very, very fortunate that when I go back to Florida, like I just have the coolest family and, um, love them very much. And the kiddos are awesome. So it is tough traveling because like you want to get back to them and, and like mm-hmm. see them all and they're always asking like when are you coming home and you know it's tough when you miss a birthday and stuff like that but at the end of the day I think it's one of those things where early on in life I feel like it's better to just work really hard and get things together so that you can kind of treasure those times more and, and get freedom and you know I think whether it's film or crypto or everything else, it's all kind of a means for people to achieve freedom. And I know it is for me at least. Um, so I see crypto as something that's like surprisingly a lot of work. I, I definitely didn't think it would be as much work as it is getting into it. Um, like I won't lie. I, I'll be the first one to admit when I first started validating, I thought it was going to be really easy. Um, and then it was really, really hard. Um, but it's also very, very rewarding, and uh, I, I think that it ultimately results in having more freedom and in, in the long term, and hopefully you help other people to achieve that too by, like, in the very least, keeping their stake very safe and um, helping them to like find good chains and you know just the basics like being eligible for airdrops and whatnot that are really awesome. Who knows? But. At the end of the day, I think everyone here is kind of like in it because they want to be more free, whether it's financially or otherwise. And, you know, it's all motion in that direction. So that's that's the end goal for me. At least. Awesome, Kevin. Well, hey, man, I appreciate the time that you uh, took to get up on the space. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing who you pick next. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I know I, I'm probably gonna guess already you're gonna pick um someone very interesting hopefully another filmmaker i would love to um would love to get somebody on that's another filmmaker that that's in the community that'd be awesome absolutely yeah i want to i want to nominate someone really interesting and maybe somebody who i haven't heard talk in a space before um even if they are maybe a little more known but i want i want to do i want to i want to nominate a fun one so I'll yes. have to think about it. Think about it. You got you got a couple weeks, and okay. uh, I'll see you at Cosmo Cosmo Cosmoverse, right? Yeah, absolutely. If if anyone in here is going, like, please uh, 
Please hit me up. I'd love to meet everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. Well, we're going to wrap it up here and stay safe out there. Don't get ran over by those crazy taxi drivers over there in New York. Yes. <laughs> I want hey, to see yeah. you all in one piece in Columbia, bro. Okay. A- absolutely. And thank you so much for hosting, man. I really appreciate it. These are super cool. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Peace out, Kevin. Take it easy. See ya. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmic Community, hosted by Lil Gaines, with special guest Kevin Garrison. Recorded on Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, all the Cosmos homies, better head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing All aggressive, insane from all directions Smoke blows in when I start a session Plain canvas, blaze up the handlers Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Another fixed game of try my luck Oh, lighten up, dog. It could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse When you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss-up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress, yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble